0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: What up, guys? Welcome back to the DNBR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin. We've got Hank here. We've got Jake here. Today, we're going to be talking about a whole lot of stuff, uh, keeping on theme with what we've talked about lately. We're going to talk about conference realignment briefly in the first segment. Just kind of talk about the latest as far as the reports go, uh, there there were some quotes. Rick George, the Colorado AD, spoke out, uh, had a, I don't know, not shocking, but spicy. had a spicy place at USC and UCLA leaving. So we'll talk about that. Then we'll get into NFL Rookie of the Year odds. Talk about some of our favorite rookies to break out. Uh, we'll look at the division odds, all that fun stuff. The stuff that's on brand for us, betting. Rookies <laughs> football, it's, it's what we do. But uh, how you guys doing? Uh, we're we're filming late because I fell asleep watching golf. <laughs> That's um, what happened. It, it's it's been a pleasant, you know, summer summer afternoon.
2: You and Hink have been enjoying a lot of golf. Hinks uh, has been on quite the adventure. I think already he's pretty hyped.
0: My girlfriend has not been enjoying the golf. We'll start there because it's kind of <laughs> like twofold. Where I say like you know, we we could stay up and watch a movie, but also they start teeing off in about two hours. So let's, let's think about that too. Maybe get, get to bed early. So she has not been thrilled about our lifestyle. Um, in recent days, I've been, my strategy has been to like wake up around five or so, and then just like turn it on and just have it on in bed. And then I'll just be like watching and falling asleep and watching and falling asleep for like two hours. And then I go out to the couch and actually watch. And it's nice now that the good golfers are toward the end. So you can justify like not, it's like, oh, I'll, I'll just check the score because I woke up and it's 4.30. Oh, Bryson's on a run. That's neat. Go back to sleep. You know, so been a lot of golf, been a lot of fun. And I have Victor Hovland at 40 to
1: one. So I'm, my fingers are crossed. It's good prep, though. It's good prep for the NFL season, for college football <laughs> season. I mean, it's, you know, when week zero rolls around and, or I guess week one, week zero, you only end up getting like five or six games. But, when week one rolls around and we've got games from 1030 Mountain until the Hawaii game at night, you know, that's got to be ready. Got to buckle in. You got to have the eyes yes. have to be able to take the screen for that long. You've got to be stretched out. You got to practice sitting for long periods of time. People don't, it's hard. People don't understand the prep that goes into yeah. extreme sports watching. I was
0: telling the Jake, the like, you know, I, I haven't turned the lights on yet. I've been awake for seven hours and I was sitting here, I was like, look, those lights behind me, those are not turned on. I'm I'm kind of a little mole in here right now.
1: Yeah, man,
2: you, it's tough. You got to get the form down with the, the sitting in the hand and the drink in the other hand. You just got to get it all nailed down before we get to August and September. So
0: Yeah, and like the food, where it's like, do you, exactly. do you like buy a pizza at 1030 in the morning and eat it all day? Do you do you wake up and, and like maybe try to get something healthy in you first so that later on it's it's tough? Well, and the other thing is I'm a Broncos guy now. I'm not a CU guy. I don't know what I'm gonna do with my Saturdays. Like I do I go watch back home all the to the games, Mont- enjoy, enjoy it. Yeah. Or you yeah, go up man. to Boulder and watch those guys play or Fort Collins or, or down to Air Force or like golf or like go home <laughs> to Montana and watch the Montana Grizzlies play a football game for the first time in four years. Like there's a The world is my oyster. And I… It's going to be trial and error.
2: I believe in you, Hank.
0: (laughs) I appreciate that. I'm stressed.
1: (laughs) I feel like the other thing you got to practice, you know, how… Like if you're a, you know, police officer or something, they practice, you know, drawing their gun. You got to practice pulling your phone out really quick to hit that live bet before the exactly. odds go away, you know, going in your hands, logging in, making sure you hold it up to your face and get the login. Right. I mean, it's, it's an art form guys. So this, you got to find all the,
2: all the, spots in the house with the best reception, just to make sure that those <laughs> bets actually hit.
1: Yeah.
2: To go, well, you don't
1: ever want to be in no man's land and have a great bet that doesn't go through. And then it goes away. Yep.
0: There's nothing worse. That's gotten me a couple of times on some big ones in golf tournaments, but, um, Last night, I went to that Rockies game. And so we're like sitting up behind home plate. And so you can like see every pitch, which is so nice. And uh, I didn't do a lot of like live betting. But at one point, like I was like, okay, we're, this is a string of first pitch balls. So it's like, okay, gotta take the first pitch ball here. That hits. It's like five bucks. I, get, I win 675 off of it. And then I think about, no, it was the next half inning. Chris Bryant was up to bat. And he's in this crazy spot where I felt like a whole bunch of worlds were colliding where, you know, he's hot right now, but somehow he's hot right now, but because he sucks so much before he's still somehow due. like, because he's, he could hit home runs for like the next five at bats and he'd still be due. And so I was like, okay, so he's due. He's hot. He just hit one real hard off this pitcher who's struggling right now. Last time up, so I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my chances here." I'm calling the the home run, fourteen to one. Put my winnings from that ball pitch on the fourteen to one, and he hit one to the warning track, and that was just brutal. Oof. But those live bets, those that that makes it. There's a whole another
1: level. Well, we'll talk about all the uh, the preseason gambling action for you fellow degenerates like Hank out there. Betting single pitches is ass, and, and I love it. I absolutely love it. But that's some, that's some Plus, dark gambling wormhole stuff. Like Less than three weeks until the Hall of Fame game. Oh, oh God. I, love that outcome, I love it. bet on play outcome, drive outcome, and there's, yep. there's all kinds of chances to get weird if you really want to. But let's get on track. We've been rambling here for a couple minutes. Uh, let's talk about conference realignment because at least publicly... Based on some of the reports that have come out of both Los Angeles, uh, I've seen Salt Lake City as well, and then most recently Boulder. At least publicly, the remaining ten teams in the Pac-12 are kind of saying that they want to stay committed. And uh, we are going to go over the the Rick George quote because I want to talk about the spiciness of that and whether you guys were surprised by it. Uh, if you missed it, he essentially said, "I mean, well, it's not like we're losing any playoff teams." Ah, uh, taking some shots on the way out, which I like it. You know, I, I I'm all for it. Mike Gundy, as well. He got asked about Texas, and he's like, they're still in all of our meetings, Oklahoma and Texas. And he's like, if it was up to me, you know I wouldn't let them in any of it. And these schools, they should be pissed. That's how they should act. that you know, the pettiness should come out. But um, I guess first things first, I just want to ask you guys, do you actually think these 10 teams are going to stay together? Or do you just think this is them saying what they have to because they're trying to negotiate a media rights deal and see if it's even viable? Because obviously, if everyone publicly is just like, oh, yeah, we have one foot out the door, it's not exactly the strongest bargaining chip when you go to ESPN or wherever and, and be like, hey, you want to buy our product? That's, a, that's the big question. I mean, here's what I'll say.
0: Nobody is absolutely sure they're all in. Well, that's not true. I bet Oregon State is all in. Like, Washington State's all in. There's a couple of the schools that need the Pac-10 or whatever we're going to call it to work out. Just call it the Pac. Let's get these numbers out of here. Just asking to be embarrassed. But outside of that, everybody's got to be weighing their options. Like, you're just not doing your job if you're not weighing your options. Does it wind up being the Pac-10, though? I don't know.
1: I think... Just those ten I'll say I still no. think you're stronger than the Mountain West at that point, yeah, with the brands that you have, assuming that you're able to keep Oregon, Washington, and Stanford. Now, if you lose those three brands, it's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. but I don't know if it's going to be enough to satisfy these members to stay intact, and you know, obviously, there's a million possibilities at that point. Teams could end up in the Big 12. Obviously, everybody kind of assumes Oregon and Washington and Stanford are going to end up in the Big 10 someday anyways. At least that's kind of the national conversation. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I It wouldn't shock me, I guess, if these 10 stay together. But I I don't see a scenario in which they can stay together. And that's it. I think at that point, you have to add San Diego State and I don't know, Colorado State or SMU or whatever, whoever it is. Maybe they only add San Diego State, you know, maybe 11 is enough at that point. And you add another California market, a desirable place to travel. To me, though, I, I think it's more about just saying the right things than an actual indication yeah. of like the commitment of the PAC schools staying together. Definitely. I do
2: think that it's possible for them <clears throat> to stay together and also kind of join up with the Big 12 or whatever. Uh, The Mountain West, all the kind of remaining uh, schools kind of looking outside right now. I think there's still a chance of, you know, potentially a third super conference, if that's what you want to call it, where you see kind of the pack and the the Big 12 kind of come together. Maybe they pick off uh, San Diego State, Boise State, um, just to try and round it out and keep it competitive. Uh, But yeah, I don't think it I mean. Are we really going to go back to the Pac-10? Is it just going to be a 10-team conference? Now you don't have any of the LA market. I mean, Oregon and Washington are great teams to kind of, you know, carry your banner. But um, I think they just need a little more juice. I don't think it's all quite there with just the 10 that they have right now.
0: Yep. And I think what, to me, if I'm Colorado's AD, you know, I'm in Rick George's shoes. I look around and still think, you know, yeah, if if we're right here, we're the Pac-10. Are we on par with the Big 12? We're probably right behind the Big 12 um acc is who knows but but you look at and it's like there's if we if we do well if we negotiate this tv contract if we go improve our football teams like we're competitive with these other conferences to be you know number three behind the clear one and two the other option though is to say you know what let's let's get utah and a couple of others to pack up and jump over to the big 12 Basically bury the Pac-12, put the Big 12 clearly in front of the ACC, and and I'm not sure that that makes you part of the Big Three. I think you're still probably pretty clearly in third. But when you can make that sort of move and just decrease competition, really, I I, I would be really tempted to do that. And I still think that if you can jump to the Big 12 and bring a couple schools with you, that's that's your best possible solution.
2: Well, I think when you got to the... consider, go ahead, Jake just what the pack, what I think what the pack has in their advantage is that they've already kind of, they've been like thrown into this full throttle. I mean, they lost UC, UC, USC, UCLA. Um, so they're kind of more, you know, on edge, I think than anyone in the ACC is yep. at this point. So I think the pack is actually more pressing in either in being a proactive to kind of figure out their own solution to this.
1: Totally. Well, they have to, right? Because it's, I mean, the thing about the ACC schools is with that, media rights deal going through 2036 mm-hmm. and apparently having this ironclad and, you know, grant of rights. Mm-hmm. It kind of seems like, at least at the moment, those schools are, are kind of stuck. Now, we'll see. I'm sure everybody, you know, the legal teams at Clemson, Miami, Florida State, North Carolina, they're looking for every little, every little loophole they can to get out of it. But, I mean, I think, I think that's where it's really going to get interesting. If the ACC stays the same, I think it's still the third best league just with some of those brands they have. Um, I think there's an argument if the Big 12 can add the Arizona schools, Utah, and CU. um, And obviously Oregon and Washington too, then, then definitely. But if they could add those four, I think it becomes close. If they add those six, I think they're definitely the third best. I, I just think all these leagues are, are screwed. I know that's pessimistic, but the, the, the SEC and Big Ten have really put everybody in a pickle here, and I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be a a desirable outcome for, for most involved, but we'll see. It's been fun to talk about. We've had tons of off-season content, that's mm-hmm. for sure.
0: Yeah. You know, the Rick George stuff. I'm curious what you guys think of that, because, I mean, CU fans, CU fans can be a little bit pessimistic about things and we can't blame them for that understand where they're coming from but when they saw rick george go out and say like yeah it's not like we lost a team that's been in the college football playoff and our goal here get teams the college football playoff we made that very clear um they're like well that you can't say that like this is what all that and it, there is something there but at the same time i look at it and say right now colorado any sort of national attention you can get when you're when you're praying that the big Ten reaches out when you're trying to work on a media deal you're doing all these different things national attention is just a straight up good thing and the fact that they're probably going to lose to both of those teams when they play them this season yeah is this gonna are they gonna care Riley gonna so exactly. USC and
1: UCLA fans can tweet out about it what is he supposed to is he supposed exactly. to yeah. be polite USC and UCLA are leaving what does it matter there's no point of tiptoeing around. Everybody knows what the buffs are right now, guys. Like yep. the hope is they turn it around. Same with CSU, but we're very, you know, the states of the program have been evident. You know, we it's, it's yes. the product speaks for itself. Particularly last year, is CU gonna beat this team with USC? Probably not. They haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. I, I would tries. honestly, I'd like to see it. I, even as a CSU yeah. guy, I would like to see it because I hate what USC and UCLA are doing. So yeah, I'll, I'll root for the buffs to win that game. I hope it happens, but. Am I worried about saying something spicy because their fans might clap back and mock us on Twitter? Who gives a shit?
0: Yeah. The fun part <laughs> of college football is starting shit. Like, it, like yeah, if you it's say that, and, and, and game week, Lincoln Riley comes out and says, yeah, you know, you know, we're a team that hasn't made the college football playoffs, so I bet they're not worried about something like that, you know? And, and then you go out and beat them. Like, that's the kind of thing you talk about decades later. Like, that's what this is all about is those sorts of, of storylines. And so it's good you to... you back I it up, I it's think. epic. So spice. Yes. It is nice to back it up because otherwise uh, you just get made fun of Kinda after it happens, to. which isn't fun, but you might as well shoot your but shot. Also,
1: is it, it's, what's new?
0: Yeah, don't just People tuck and your tail been jokes about
1: Buffs and Rams for my entire life. Exactly. We've been getting peppered. <laughs> the,
2: the Pac-12, though, I mean, I think what Rich, Rick George and kind of Colorado is saying with this quote, though, is that, yeah, USC and UCLA are gone, but, I mean, the Big 12 or the Big 10 – did not really pick those teams for football reasons. They were picked for geographical reasons. I mean, Stanford and Oregon have been like kind of the Pac-12 Titans, I don't know, the past 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. Um, They've been the best football teams in that conference. Of course, USC has been down, and then UCLA has just been kind of a dumpster fire. Utah also, yes. So, I mean, you still have your strongest teams in the conference from a football standpoint, so I think that's got to be encouraging. Uh, you know, for the fans, for the schools that are still in the conference and for the 80s, because, I mean, if you do your talking on the field the next two years, I think that kind of takes care of itself in terms of this realignment thing. You'll either end up being strong enough to stick together because of your reputation on the field, or um, you kind of become a heavy hitter and you're able to actually pull in schools into the Pac-12. Because and there's
0: a path for the Big 12 and Pac-12 to make that work. Like, I, I'm not sure if we've done this on this podcast. I know I've done it on mine. Like Cincinnati's headed to the Big Twelve. They were fourth in the country last year. Baylor finished fifth in the country. Um, Oklahoma State was seventh. You lose Oklahoma at ten, which sucks, but it is what it is. If you could add Utah at twelve, then you wind up with Houston coming over at seventeen. BYU finished nineteen. Um, you, I don't think you could pull Oregon in, but you try, and if you do, they finish twenty second. So you do have these teams that have been successful now, I don't know that you're expecting Baylor to be a top five team or even a top 10 team every year, but at least you have some options. And if you can build from there, then all of a sudden you could come up and and become a a power three conference. You just need to give yourself that sort of opportunity. And I think that this pac 10 would not have that.
1: I think you expect more from Baylor on an annual basis than you do, you know, at a Cal or Oregon state or, you know, Sure. Other than a, a random year with washington state who is mm-hmm. who's always competitive again you know i'm not I'm not like throwing stones or anything like that, but I just mean you have a lot of programs that are going to win seven eight games minimum a year and are going to win nine ten eleven games and, and up years it mm-hmm. it would be a competitive conference it would be a, a nice throwback to having some logical, like, regional tie-ins. I mean, you've got Colorado, Arizona, Utah, obviously, Kansas, Texas, Oklahoma. You've just got, you know, that whole I-70, like, road map there. And then everybody can visit each other. There's history. I mean, I, I just, I love all that. I, I think it makes much more sense. But as Jake, you know, eloquently pointed out, it's not necessarily about, like, what is the best football or what is the most like logical way to pair these teams. Just, uh, sometimes it's just like, well, USC and UCLA are worth a whole bunch of money and we don't really no. care if they're good or not. Cause we have Ohio state and Michigan. Totally. And, and we can give them our
0: resources. We can, we can give them another $40 million a year, $50 million a year. And who knows, maybe that helps. But yeah, it is interesting with the TV stuff because there's some people out there saying, you know, markets really don't matter all that much anymore um and they definitely don't matter like they used to but just how much they matter is is weird because for the Pac-12 you know when you own the Pac-12 network it's like yeah if if you're if you can put the Pac-12 network into all these houses in LA there you go that's just easy money and that used to be the way all of it works but you know if you wind up in a situation where ESPN just has the rights to all these games do you even it's not like that means that now you are putting this in somebody's house the question is just how many people are tuning in and if, if you're in la you would think there's a local fan base that's bigger but it's not necessarily about how many people live there it's about how many you can actually get to watch those games and usc does have a decent fan base and whatever but i don't know i'm,
1: I'm curious to see where all of this trends can yeah, I guys I mean, ask? I think, can I ask you something before we move on here? And this is this is completely random. So let me let Jake make his point, and then I'm gonna go completely random. Um, I was just gonna say, I think the Big Ten kind
2: of just like laid it out there with what Hank was saying when they added UCLA. I mean, if they were about actually adding, you know, big fan bases and stuff and national type of brands, they would have added Oregon. Uh, UCLA can't even fill out their stadium, man. I mean, uh-huh. and if it wasn't for, you know, a decent year last year, we would be clowning on UCLA, the uh, the Big Ten, and how they were kind of picking one of the worst teams in the conference to yep. go over. So,
0: then On top of that, I mean, some of the thought process has to be, like, Ohio State has a big fan base. Michigan has a big fan base. A lot of these schools have big fan bases. And so maybe you're not putting UCLA fans in the Rose Bowl, but, I think those fans are going to be willing to travel if tickets are only 15 bucks to get in like they
1: have been.
2: Yep.
1: Everybody, Kansas State, just comes along for the ride in every one of these scenarios. Mm -hmm. And and I like Manhattan, Kansas. I have a lot of family members that are Kansas State fans even. Am I insane for just saying that, like, The only reason that they're in this conversation is just because they always have been. Like, What is Kansas State bringing to the table that makes them this like, oh, well, we've got to bring Kansas State because they're a travel partner with Kansas, I guess. But I just mean like, if you change nothing other than CSU was in the Big 12 the last 20 years, and they made all the money that Kansas State made, I I think some of these schools kind of are just getting brought along for the ride because they always have been. And and I think there's an argument, you know, San Diego State, SMU, some of these other schools where it's like, well, if you gave them the resources that these schools in the Big 12 and the Pac-12 had, they'd be competitive. And Utah and TCU are pretty good examples of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, the Um,
1: thing is, you can't kick teams out. Like, it's just really
0: hard to do unless it's unanimous. And that's yeah, you just, gotta form something new altogether and exactly just, and, and there's ways to do it. It's just that you know, you talk about it's it's supposed to be more than fifty million dollars that USC and UCLA owe the Pac 12 for leaving. It's like they'll we'll see what the lawyers come up with, and that's not a public document, so we can't even really make guesses on whatever. That's just a rumor that it's more than 50 million. And so if you, you wind up in a situation where you get the, the four corners teams in the Pac 12 to to leave and they all owe 50 million bucks to the Pac-12 so that you can either go to the Big 12 or you can have, whatever, six of those teams or 10 of those teams leave the Big 12 to form something, but they all owe 70 million bucks or whatever or 30 million bucks. It, it There's just complications in there, but you've seen it happen before and it could absolutely happen again. How do you know, I think was that's, formed? Huh.
2: that's phase two of this whole process. I mean, phase one is, you know, kind of the big dogs kind of getting together and, you know, the Big 10, and the SEC have kind of established themselves as the, the leading two conferences, so they're obviously going to get their pick of the litter here. But phase two of this is going to be kind of who gets dropped out. Um, you know, you look at teams like Illinois, Rutgers, Vanderbilt, those type of teams that are kind of hanging around in the Big Ten or in SEC right now. Um, even in the Pac, I mean, Oregon State, Washington State, those type of teams. Um, it's that's the second phase of this whole thing, and I don't know. It's tough to say, I guess, when exactly that will start, but that's got to play a factor at some point because I don't see how Illinois. Rutgers, Vanderbilt kind of hang out in these basically what they're turning into is semi-pro conferences when these are some of literally the worst college football teams in the country. I mean, mm-hmm. Rutgers and Illinois, I mean, they, they're not competitive unless they play each other really. So it's yeah.
1: it's going to be whenever they branch away from the NCAA, you know, what we've talked about yeah. and they do their own thing. And it's whenever APR kind of goes out the window, essentially it's whenever we completely put away the facade that we give a, give a damn about academics in this scenario, which they don't mm-hmm. it's that's not the the model anymore. And without knowing the public
0: contracts again, like it's tough to get teams out for one. But the other thing is I, I think you'd need a format change for the, for the championship to, to get those teams out. Because if, if you're Ohio state, you might be thinking, yeah, those teams don't draw as much, you know, the Indiana is getting a, a a portion of the Ohio State Michigan profit, whatever that adds in value to the TV contract in exchange. What do we get? The Indiana Illinois game? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so that part sucks. But then you also say having four or five teams that kind of suck
1: on the schedule isn't the end of the world. When you well, need do you want to play on Ohio wins. State every week? You know what exactly. I mean? Like it's we need we want a strong schedule, but we also want it to have a couple of breaks to have a strong enough record that we're yep. still in the playoffs. Yeah, you and want a chance balance, the end. Still need 10-11 <laughs> wins, and so having a couple of those don't hurt. All right, you but guys want to say anything else on this before we move on and talk some, uh, some future bets? probably save it for next week when there's yeah. got to be even more <laughs> news. <laughs> I was going to say, it's never-ending. It's, yep. it's not like uh, this will be the last time we talk about it. It uh, never ends, just like the action never ends at DraftKings mm. Sportsbook. Especially this summer with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports. You can feel your fandom, feel the heat of the season like never before. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Make your first bet. Get up to $1,000 back. If it doesn't win, you get another shot to cash in. Throw down on all the major action. We already talked about uh, golf earlier, but there's MMA, baseball. Hank had an epic night at the Rockies game. (sighs) Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, props, you name it, your options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. What are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Make your first deposit. Get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That promo code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. They have a gambling problem one eight hundred five two two forty seven hundred. 522
0: 4700 And Breckenridge Brewery. Um, I mentioned before that I don't know what my Saturdays are going to look like. I know that there's going to be college football involved in Subway. I said Subway instead of someway, Uh, in some way, <laughs> I'm so hungry. Um, but I don't know exactly how. You know, am I going to games? Am I watching games on TV? Am I watching at the bar with friends? Probably. So I want to just sit on the couch. Who's to say? All I do know, though, is that Breckenridge Brewery will be involved. Uh, There will be a lot of Strawberry Skies that time of year. Late in the year, some Vanilla Porter Juniors. Um, There's so many awesome beers. Summer Pilsner Shandy is is out now. It's a new one. You've got the hard seltzers, the lemonade seltzers. They're really good this time of year. Um, Breckenridge has been doing it for 30 years. They love making beer. They're really good at it. And that's why we like to drink all the stuff that they put out. So go to Breckbrew.com. Use the beer locator. See what beers you can pick up near you. They're in most states. So even if you're not in Colorado, you can probably get your hands on some. It's good stuff. Drink Breckenridge beers. Nailed it.
1: Get two of them. Clash them together like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Pour them mm. on your chest. Freak out your neighbors. Who, who cares? Mm. You know, it's summer. It's almost college football season, baby. <laughs> let's Let's talk about the odds may the odds be forever in your favor when it comes to the NFL and the preseason bets that you place. I feel like now is kind of the perfect time to try and get in on the value. If there are some guys that you're particularly confident about from a sleeper standpoint, you know, people that are maybe getting undervalued a little bit and are going to get talked up and then it's going to go down as it goes on. Where do you guys want to start with this though?
2: I've got good
1: a
0: rookie. Yeah, no, I, I, let's a, go either. offensive. I've got a good defensive rookie pick, but let's go offensive first. I'll save that one. Um, okay. My first question is, so so usually this feels like one that goes to a quarterback, right? Like mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff goes to a quarterback. This year, it's Kenny Pickett if it's a quarterback, probably. Like anybody else is, is not getting on the field in the first half of the season. Probably not that hot of a take. going to be tough to put up those numbers. So, I guess, to me, this feels like it's way more open than
1: it typically is. Are you guys interested in taking Kenny Pickett, though? At plus 600, <sighs> the value is nice enough to probably sprinkle it just because, sure. you know, again, if he has even a like average season and starts every game, he's going to have a pretty good chance if nobody else goes off. But mm-hmm. I-, I would say you're right. I think as far as the value goes, I would rather try and... Hit on, you know, Drake London at plus 800 or Garrett Wilson at plus 1000. Um, Trying to scroll down and find my guy, Green Bay. Who are you looking for? Christian Watson? No, I'm looking for my guy, Romeo Dubs. Oh, Oh, that's Mm. a lot of scrolling so far. That's a set. I might get a good bet then. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's I want to talk about these guys from the Mountain West. Plus ten thousand. That's a really good value bet. He's gonna fit awesome with Aaron Rodgers. He's gonna put up numbers. It wouldn't surprise me if he's like the star rookie. Uh, Our guy Trey McBride plus four thousand. Kind of tough for a tight end to win though, unless you're just you know you have like a ten touchdown season or something. You could see it happening in that offense. Um, I mean, I'm certainly gonna sprinkle it.
2: Looking at Rashad White at plus 3,000, a team at the, on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They lost uh, Ronald Jones. I know they have Fournette, um, and it seems like Fournette's kind of, you know, looking to take up that role as the lead back. But I really liked Rashad White's ability uh, coming out. And, you know, if he's able to just, like, supplement Leonard Fournette, I mean, what are we talking about here? If, can he pick it as a down year? I mean, 800 yards. If you put up, let's say, Javante's totals from last year, which is just short of a 1,000, just like 900, 950 yards, a few touchdowns, he'll be in the running for sure. Um, Also, Chris Olave at plus 1,200. The New New Orleans Saints obviously have a number one in Michael Thomas. Are we sure that he's actually going to be the player he has been after so much time off? Um, You know, you're getting fresh legs in Chris Olave. They're going to be throwing short, I think, a bit with Jameis Winston. You know, they're not going to... I think that's kind of what led to Winston's success a bit in New Orleans, is that he wasn't as gunslinger ish as he was in Tampa. Um, with Olave working the short yardage stuff and kind of taking yards after catch, I like that one
0: too. I uh, I really like I And I mean, I, I guess the kind of themes of things that all like the guys that we like during the draft a little bit. But Spiller to me, I think, especially with Austin Eckler, where I feel like it's just going to be a 50 50 split. You know, like I think that. There's a chance that he's going to be getting a lot of the kind of tough run carries, whereas Eckler might go back to being more of a third down type of back. And because of that, you're not splitting him between the the rushing yards and receiving yards. You get a chance to just put up a big rushing yard number that could get some attention. So I at 40 to 1, I think that that's a a, a risk that I'm willing to take.
2: I love him. Yeah. Um... I like I like your reasoning too. Uh the only thing that I think kind of holds him back is they have Josh Kelly. He's a guy that I think played well for them in spurts last year. I just think that's so many mouths to feed in that backfield. Um, but man, I, I love Spiller. I do think that he can kind of emerge himself as a lead back. I do like the number two at 40 to one. Um, I mean, I love the player. I think that's what it is about rookies, and you gotta I mean you already mentioned it, you gotta kinda pick your guys here. Um Garrett Wilson, though, another guy, I think in the situation has the opportunities in terms of market share too, Uh, plus a thousand, maybe not the best value that you could possibly get from all these guys. But uh, I said it before when we were doing the wide receivers, I think he's got some Justin Jefferson in him. And I think that he can have, you know, a similar type of impact year one as a rookie um, in terms of kind of tearing up defenses.
1: Did we write off Desmond Ritter too early in this conversation? Is there an opportunity for him to overtake Mariota in Atlanta? Mm.
2: I like Ritter. Um, I just, there, he's so similar to Mariota. I think though, that's what does he really offer that Mariota doesn't at this point, other than just kind of seeing what you have in the rookie. Um,
1: but I guess I I would argue that uh, this, the other way, you know, what does Mariota bring to the table that you don't have in your rookie quarterback, you know, what Mariota's ceiling is at this point, obviously, you know, you get the veteran presence, but I would just roll with the punches with the rookie and try and see what you got. Other than, I mean, there's obviously the scenario in which you throw him out too early and the throw-off his psyche and all that, but I don't know. It seems like nowadays, if you trust the guy, you just kind of give him the keys.
0: Why is I mean, if he starts in one time. Yeah. And that makes me wonder, you know, does he get his first start in, like, week four or week six? Because you do need to get out there early if if you're going to win this award, I feel like. And so that's my big reservation, and that's that's why I'm not going to do it. But, again, you could totally see, you know, Falcons lose the first two games, and they throw Ritter in week three, and he's he's good. At that point, all he needs to do is good, and he gets the award probably. Unless Pickett's awesome.
2: I think the argument for Ritter, you kind of go back to Vince Young and his uh, Rookie of the Year season back in 2006. Um, he barely played in week one. He played awfully in week two. He did not play in week three. So he didn't really get to start. I mean, it was October in week four when Vince Young kind of you know went on his run there. Um, and looking at the numbers, I mean, I mean I know it this is 15, 20 years ago almost at this point, but I mean he only threw for 2,100 yards, 12 touchdowns. He had 12 to 13 touchdown interception ratio, but he did have the 550 yards on the ground and seven other touchdowns to the on the ground too. So that's kind of the advantage there. I mean, I guess that that probably is where Ritter has his case is on the ground. Can he be effective as a rusher? Um, can he maybe rush for four or five, 600 yards and add maybe five plus touchdowns? I think if you can get that
1: out of Desmond Ritter, um,
2: he's definitely in the
1: conversation. We'll say Vince Young had a little bit more name brand uh, recognition sure. than Ritter did. And I do think that kind of stuff helps. And he's especially if it's a year where it's just kind of a crapshoot and nobody like totally steals the award. I think guys like, Oh, well. Vince Young was pretty good. You know, he was fun at Texas. We'll Mm -hmm. we'll vote for him. Uh, Before we go to defensive rookie of the year, just give me, outside of Kenny Pickett, give me three guesses for your guys' pick for rookie of the year. Uh, At some point before the season, we'll all go on and be like, this is who I'm taking. But since I'm putting you on the spot, give me your your three shots. I think Um, Isaiah Spiller at 40-1 to
0: in terms of bets is my favorite. Um, Kenneth Walker, the odds aren't so good. And I wonder whether he's going to get the starting job, but like, there's just a chance he pops, right? Like, I think he's one of those guys where he could just show up and then he's just incredible. Um, Drake London, I think he's going to be a really good player. Sometimes those big receivers take a year or two to translate. Like he's so big, he's so strong. He's a good jumper. He can make those sorts of plays, but does he do that as a 21 year old? You know, does he need a year in the NFL strength program to move along? Again, i am if if his odds were lower, I'd be more than willing to bet on him. But in terms of favorites, I don't I don't think I would. So maybe maybe go with like a an Olave, just because he has the the speed that could separate him early. Garrett Wilson Olave, they just seem so pro ready to me.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Um, I love Wilson and Olave um, on this bet. Uh, also Sky Moore. I think that he I don't know if he's got enough juice to get there, but he's playing with Patrick Mahomes. He's got Andy Reid as his coach. He's got talent around him. Um, he's going to have an easier time, I think, to have a productive season than many of these other rookie receivers. And then, um, Jamison Williams too. I We'll see if he's able to get on the field early on in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something too, where Detroit has lacked that explosive element. He brings that it'll only take, I don't know, three, four long touchdowns for him before he's on that radar. And then one more, I'll throw out, uh, Damian Pierce at 20 to one a guy who kind of steps into a, a situation in Houston where he can be a lead back. Um, again, what does it take there? Maybe six, seven, eight wins from the Texans and a 1,000-yard season from Damian Pierce, and you're maybe talking about Raheem. ah.
1: Those are three really good choices, Jake. You just bodied that. Um, that Detroit passing offense, too, the last like six, seven weeks of the season, they were putting up numbers, like Amandra St. Brown. I mean, it was a terrible team, but it was it was fun to watch. I think Sky Moore, just because of his quarterback, is... A logical choice to throw out. I think it's funny though, with you mentioning Sky Moore. I already talked about Romeo Dubs. He's the, you know, kind of the lesser of the two on receivers between him and Christian Watson. I would be tempted at at forty to one to also sprinkle George Pickens,
0: just because oh, yeah.
1: you know he's already strong enough. You know that he's not going to have to worry about that. I mean, I I could see him being a lot more productive, especially now that he's in a a better passing offense. So I'll say Pickens, Romeo Dubs, and then um, I feel like I mean we didn't mention Brees Hall, we didn't talk a ton about any of the running backs, but I'm I'm tempted to go Garrett Wilson just because I think I think that Jets offense is is going to be better, and I think Zach Wilson's going to take strides, and I, I just think those two together make a lot of sense.
0: All right, Hank, what's your uh, defensive rookie of the year uh, spiel here? I really think Drake Jackson is going to be good early and especially at plus 3000. I was surprised he was so far down there, you know, Aiden Hutchinson Kayvon Thibodeau. Like, yeah, they could go out there and put up big numbers, but that's the thing about this award. First of all, I feel like it's going to go to an edge rusher. Like, I feel like it's going to go to to somebody who puts up sacks and I don't think, I don't think politics are going to play too much into it. I think it could be kind of as simple as who has the most sacks and I don't think that Drake Jackson is that far behind those two in terms of production rookie year. Like, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, there's a lot of traits, and we've talked about it a lot. He needs some polish. You know, Aiden Hutchinson, could he just go out there and be that guy? Absolutely. And that's why he's the favorite to win this award. But you go back and watch what Drake Jackson did when he was at USC. Again, for me specifically, you go back and watch what he did to Colorado, and that that's actually when I decided I was making this bet was when I rewatched that game. But that is a really good pass rusher. And he might not get all the opportunities because he's in San Francisco. He 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 might just be blown out of the water by an Aiden Hutchinson who has a great year, but at plus three thousand, give me, give me a, the, the the ticket, right? Like there's a real chance it happens. More so than Benito at plus 5,000? I think so. I think Drake Jackson is more pro-ready right now. And I hate to say that, obviously, but... That's though, that's a point conversation, conversation. Point. But, but yeah, yeah. Um, I to, go Drake Jackson.
2: To build off that point, Hank, um, I mean, he joins a defensive line that's pretty freaking stacked, man. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, you got Nick Bosa. Um, Javon Kinlaw, I don't know if he's exactly become the player that he kind of projected coming out. Um, but there's some, you know, early returns there, and also Eric Armstead. So, you know, he's going to have the advantage of, you know, being placed in some one-on-one situations or just kind of coming off clean off the edge sometimes, and maybe just getting free sacks that way. I like your reasoning there, because if it is just if it is just, uh, you know, kind of who has the most sacks as a rookie, um, yeah, I mean that's a great situation for him. I will say, I mean, if you there's no reason taking a corner in this. Um, if Patrick Sertan didn't win it last year with his season last year. I, I, how else is a corner going to win this? They're going to have to have like six picks in the season with like three taken back for a touchdown. Um, So I think I'm kind of looking at Kyle Hamilton. I know still in the secondary, but a player that is very versatile um, in that Baltimore Ravens defense, a defense that was down last year um, is getting some guys back. I think that's kind of a recipe for success. I mean, we've talked about, we talked about him so much last year and his ability. He's a really good player, obviously. So he's got the talent. He's in the situation. Um, plus 800 for Kyle Hamilton, I think is pretty decent.
1: Am I crazy for thinking there could be a a way in which Devin Lloyd just goes out and records like 100 tackles because he's playing around a bunch of studs and he flies around the field and just kind of gets to clean up the scraps?
2: That's a good one too. I was looking at that and yep. Kobe.
1: Dean. Plus 1,000 and plus 1,200 respectively uh, with Devin Lloyd and, and Kobe Dean. Devin Lee would be with Hank. I think if you're going where the, the money is, it's going to be on edge rusher. The batting favorite Aiden Hutchinson at plus 550 is probably where I would go just because I feel like he's going to be pretty productive right off the bat. But this is a hard one. I feel like defense, it always ends up being some guy you never see coming.
2: Well, um, if I could build off on Kyle Hamilton point, I think also looking at guys like Daxton Hill at uh, 35-1 to and Jalen Petrie at 40-1. Um, kind of in that same vein. These are players that are versatile. They're not just going to hang back at safety all the time. Um, they're going to be around the field kind of contributing in the run game um, also, and they're going to be able to kind of cover one-on-ones. So, you know, they have a couple of nice plays and maybe a couple of good picks against teams with good quarterbacks and good players, take them on back to the house, create a few fumbles in the run game, um, maybe throw in three or four sacks because of their versatility on blitzes. I, that kind of sounds like the recipe to me. I mean, you're just kind of stat sheet stacking there with these kind of uh, – I don't even know what to call them anymore, these hybrid safety linebacker corner players that just kind of play all over the defense.
1: Give me your official, uh, give me your gut. Where, where's your gut lean right now? Still Hamilton? I would have to say so. Um,
2: I mean, the top two and Aiden and, and KT, uh, both at a plus 550. I mean, I don't think you can go wrong with either of those. Personally, I'd stay away from Trevon Walker and Clay Walker. I just, as players, I don't think they're quite ready for that yet unless they, you know, really were just hidden on the Georgia depth chart and that team was just absolutely stacked with studs. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at, I mean, everyone else in the, in kind of in the favorite area, plus a thousand, I mean, it's Ahmad Gardner, Derek Stingley, Jermaine Johnson's up there, Devin Lloyd, you kind of stated your case. So if I had to guess, I mean, yeah, I think I'd go Hutch or Thibodeau with the safe bet, but I kinda I think I laid out my case nicely for these safety guys.
0: Yeah, Hutchinson would be my prediction, but I would I'd make uh either
1: Drake Jackson or uh Devin Lloyd my bet. I think I would go Lloyd or Hamilton. I think Jake kind of talked me into just being able to to do a little bit of everything. It wouldn't surprise me if he ended up having, you know, 75 plus tackles, a couple of interceptions, a forced fumble. Like he's just he's gonna be able to do a little bit all. Let's uh let's talk about the division winners because they've got the uh the future lens for pretty much everything at this point. I mean, I was looking at some of the specials they have, and you could do a you could do a three-hour podcast just on the specials DraftKings offers for NFL preseason bets. Go download it again, use that code DNVR. Let's start with the NFC. We talk about the AFC all the time. I want to talk about the NFC North real quick. The Packers, minus 190. Is it, can anybody contend with the Packers, I guess? We'll just keep it simple because it feels like they're the front runner at this point. Can the Vikings make it interesting? Can the Lions make a leap? They're at plus 1,000. Um, I, I don't expect them to win the division. But anyways, can anyone contend with the, the Packers?
0: No. Go ahead. Hank. What's they
1: here? cannot. It's that simple. That
0: just will not happen. The Packers are going to win.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of with them. I mean, looking at the odds, uh, minus one ninety for the Packers, Vikings at plus two sixty five, and the Vikings seem to kind of be picking up steam here. I just think that it's a little bit of wishful like thinking from a lot of the uh, I don't know general football cognoscenti here because the big move was obviously the Packers and Devonte Adams and. That is going to hurt them, but I do think that Rodgers has shown his ability to kind of, you know, pr- bring production out of thin air with receivers that he has. And the Vikings, I just want to see it before I kind of buy in. I mean, new coach, you'd have to bet on Kirk Cousins. Um, it's just, that's just not there for me. Um, so, yeah, Packers, I don't think it's it's relatively close
1: it hurts my heart. I always kind of pull for the Vikings, but I agree. I don't. I don't know how you would want to be financially committed to uh, Kirk Cousins leading you to the promised land. That seems bad for your for health and stress. NFC South. Can anybody hang with Tampa Bay? Minus three hundred, heavy, heavy favorites. Second, New Orleans plus three hundred and sixty. Carolina plus one thousand, and then Atlanta all the way at plus twenty eight hundred.
2: Um, I can state the case for New Orleans real quick. So, obviously, Tampa Bay is a huge favorite. Minus 300. Noron Saints at plus 360. Um, The Bucs are one Tom Brady injury away from kind of falling apart. And the man is 44, 43 years old, however old he is. Um, And honestly, the Panthers and Falcons just I don't think are in any position to win close to eight or nine games to really take this division lead. Um, So... The Saints at plus 360, even though I'm not the biggest fan of their current team and what they got going on at quarterback, um, all it takes is a Tom Brady injury. And I think that they become the favorite right away because are we really going to believe Kyle Trask is going to take that Bucks team
0: uh, to a division title if Brady doesn't make it? I It'd be fun. So. <laughs> It'd be wild. It would be. <laughs> see if he can just go be Tom Brady. But yeah, I mean, I see the path. That's a, like, there's a lot more talent than I think some people give the Saints credit for, uh, but there's also a bunch of question marks, and I'm, you got to bet on the Bucks, right? If, plus 360 is almost tempting. If it was plus 500, then then maybe I'd jump on it, but to me, I'm, I'm just not betting on anything here.
1: Minus 300 on the Bucks isn't good enough. That's what I was going to say. If you do think Tampa's going to win the NFC South, and I do, I would just bet on them to either... Find a win total that's like really drastic, and and try and get just something with better value. Because what's the point of placing minus three hundred unless you are going to throw it in a parlay or something like that and try and juice something up? One of the uh the more interesting divisions, and I think both of these are fun: the NFC East and NFC West. We'll start with the East: uh, Dallas plus one thirty-five, Philly plus one sixty-five, Washington plus five hundred, New York plus eight hundred. Dallas or Philly? Those seem to be the the, the obvious choice. I don't know. I, I guess unless you believe in a Carson Wentz revital, which maybe it could happen. Can the can the Cowboys get it together this year?
0: <sighs> no, but I still think if I had to pick a team to win this division, it's probably them. Like I I, I think there's too much projection with the Eagles. Other teams have honestly I'll just take Washington five hundred, but Cowboys seem like the easy answer.
2: Yeah. Um I just can't I wouldn't be able to buy into Mike McCarthy in this day and age, um, especially after what we saw from his coaching uh, time management down the stretch last year, um, it was pretty bad. But again, like what Hank said, I don't know if I can really buy into this Eagles team. Um, I think that that playoff game, the the Eagles bucks game was pretty revealing of Jalen hurts. Um, he's going to be fun. He's going to you know be a great fantasy quarterback uh, throughout the season. And he's going to beat up on the bad teams that they play. But when it comes down to it and you need him to, you know, make a big throw in the fourth quarter, I just have my doubts there. Um, I don't think I'm brave enough to bet on the commanders plus 500 or the giants plus 800. Um, I will say I am intrigued by the giants. So I do think they have an opportunity here with uh, Dable at head coach. I'm not very excited about, you know, fifth year, Daniel Jones. Um, but I think if it's going to work, it would be this year. I mean, you get Saquon back uh, hopefully Kadarius Tony stays around. You added another guy in Wandale Robinson. You kind of short up the line in the draft with Evan Neal also, Um, so I like the Giants. I'm not. I don't like them as much to
1: bet on the plus eight hundred though. Move to the West Coast, the Rams, the betting favorite in the West, plus one twenty five. San Francisco plus one fifty, followed by Arizona plus four hundred. Then a massive jump all for uh, Seattle at plus eighteen hundred. You've got the uh, the Drew Lock fever. You could try and get crazy there. I don't know. Are, are the Rams going to run it back? They've they've got pretty much everybody still in place. Seeing them regress significantly seems like, seems unlikely unless, you know, they have a bunch of injuries, but I don't know. I, I do think the Cardinals would be intriguing at plus 400. If you were going to bet on somebody other than the favorite here, I love Kyle Shanahan. I really do, but I just, I don't know. I, I'll believe it when I see it with the San Francisco team at this point, they're too, they're too hit or miss for me. I'll take the Rams at plus money.
0: Like, that just feels too good to, to be true, honestly. The, the only other thing that tempts me is the, the Niners. They have that defense. But, I just, like, the Niners just don't have the offensive juice to, to get past the Rams. Like, I feel like you need to win 12 games minimum to, to win this division. And the Rams just feel like they're, they, they, they should be favored. They should be minus money, not plus money here.
2: Yeah, Hank nailed it. I mean, plus money on the Rams is is hard to pass up. Um, I do like the Niners. I just do think that there's there's too much noise coming out of San Francisco for me to really buy in, um, you know, with the whole Debo trade rumors with uh, the Trey Lance Jimmy stuff. And it seems like they're going to be playing together again this year. Uh, obviously, Jimmy has the shoulder thing, so it's going to be trace like job for the meantime. But I you know if he struggles midseason and Jimmy's coming back healthy, it's just. That's just a situation that doesn't sound good, especially after all the picks you spent on Trey Lance. I wasn't a big fan of their draft, too. I mean, I like Drake Jackson. I like some of the other guys they added, but uh, top to bottom, I wasn't a big fan of it. It's just Rams at plus 125. You just got to run with that, I think.
1: Thank you, guys. All right, don't overthink it. Uh, AFC South, the Colts are the favorite at minus 125, Tennessee plus 170, uh, Jacksonville plus 700, then Houston at plus 3,000. Or is your gut lean? Not all at once.
2: <laughs> it's, I how do you bet against Indianapolis? I mean, Tennessee, I, I get it. One seed last year, um, you know, they have Derrick Henry kind of coming back healthier. Uh, I just don't think this team got better. Um, and I think Indianapolis actually did get better, even with just the, the Matt Ryan thing over Wentz. But Tennessee, I'm just not big on it. You lose A.J. Brown. Um, You know, the defense has been good situationally. I don't think they're a consistent week-to-week juggernaut defensively. Um, And just Jonathan Taylor, you know, getting going with Matt Ryan. You added Alec Pierce. You got Michael Pittman there. I just like what the Colts have going on.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a – the Colts edge out the Titans for me just because, again, there's something to hope for. Like it feels like there's a little more upside there maybe. I just sw- I don't know. It is one of those two teams though. Like as much as I want to find a Davis Mills bet somewhere, like even the win total, you can't touch just because it's the Texans. Uh so yeah, Colts, Colts by a hair. And honestly, with the minus
1: juice, I probably just stay away. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll wrap it up here. We got a couple more divisions. Can anybody push the Bills in the AFC East? They are heavy favorites, minus two twenty-five. The, uh, the Dolphins actually coming in ahead of the Patriots. The Dolphins plus 450. The Patriots plus 500. The Dolphins did get much better this offseason, at least on paper. This I get the like Dolphins, Buffalo's division, though.
0: Yeah, I get the Dolphins hype. I'd still give the Patriots a better chance than the Dolphins. Although, maybe you do just need a big upside to beat the Bills. I guess maybe that's the argument there. But in terms of just who's the better team, i take the Patriots. Um, and again, like Mac Jones looked good. It's the Patriots. You know they're going to be well coached. That defense is good. I just don't think they have enough to beat the Bills out. So it's the Bills to me. Um, and again, like, with the with the juice here at, at minus two twenty five, it's probably a stay away. Maybe par- parlay it with the the Packers or something like that, and try to get that up to even money.
2: Yeah, it's clear for me. Buffalo is just head and shoulders above everyone in this division. I will say, the Jets have made some strides. I, I mean, the, the number is 22 to one, so it's, they're not going to win the division this year. I don't think, but I like the construction of this team. I like how young they are. I like how they just added so much talent uh, through free agency and the draft. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them, you know, beat out Miami or new England this year in terms of finishing the stings.
1: Might be able to hunt a cash out there, depending on how the season plays out. Sure. If they got out to a hot start just with the, the plus 2,200 juice. Um, but, all right, we got two more divisions here, in my opinion, the most interesting divisions in football this upcoming year. We got the AFC West and the AFC North. We'll wrap up with the AFC West, so we'll start with the North. Baltimore, the favorite, plus 160, followed by the Super Bowl or uh, representatives, Cincinnati, plus 190. Cleveland Brown, plus 275. Pittsburgh, plus 1,000. Uh, Baltimore, I know they kind of fell apart last year. Cincinnati, obviously, coming off the hot year. I lean the Ravens here.
0: Yep, I agree. I go Ravens. It's plus 160, which I think is good enough for me to actually take the bet, but it's right on that line. Like, the Bengals could totally just be the the next, maybe not dynasty, maybe that's too big of a word, but on that path, you know, maybe think back to, like, the Colts when Peyton was there. Like, you could see that sort of regime coming. Um, But I still think, like, the Ravens, that's a good team. They've got a quarterback. They've got to run a game. They've got a defense. They were destroyed by injuries last year. Plus 160, I think I'll pull the trigger. But if I had to pick one, it's definitely the Ravens.
2: Yeah, I love this Ravens team. Um, and I agree that they're favored and they should be. But looking at Cincinnati, uh, they only got better, I think. They showed up that offensive line, adding Alex Kappa and Lyle Collins. Um, of course, they've got plenty of weapons in the run game and in the passing game. Um, it's just defensively, you know, they were kind of, uh, I'll say spotty at times. I mean, they had Eli Apple starting at corner out there for most of the year. Um, you did draft Dax Hill. You do have Cam Taylor Britt. So you've got some guys to kind of mask up that deficiency in the secondary. Um, so, I mean, what is it? Plus one ninety, they are. Um, I, I like those odds. I mean, I do like the Ravens more. I, I just believe in that team more than the Bengals at this point, but, um, the Bengals only got better.
1: Just the defense, I mean, you nailed it on the head. I wonder how much they were able to kind of capture lightning in a pan there. Just everything kind of going right for them, particularly Mm -hmm. in that Kansas City game, just with kind of how that second half played out. Both of them. Yeah, it had a really weird flow. I'm not trying to be dismissive, because I think they're one of the most fun teams. they got the white helmets coming this year. It's going to be awesome. They're going to be a lot of fun. But Baltimore, I think, I think they're a really complete team. I think people are kind of overlooking them just based on how their, their season kind of fizzled out last year. I mean, they were contending for the one seed with like a month left in the season and somehow ended up missing the playoffs. So we'll, we'll see, but uh, I, I like the Ravens there. All right, without a further ado, the AFC West, Kansas City plus 175, LA plus 220, Denver plus 260, the Raiders plus 650, I think there's an argument that every team in this division got better except for Kansas City, who I don't think necessarily. I like some of the moves they made in terms of replacing what they lost, but I think it's hard to argue they got better when you lose Tyree Kill and replace him with some rookies. What, where are you guys at? I mean, t- am, am I too homer for saying Denver at plus 260? That the value is really nice, just given the state of the roster. I think it's good value. I, I'd still probably take the Chiefs with plus money.
0: Like, just go with the status quo. It feels too easy. Again, like, I, they definitely got worse, but they were in a pinch. Like, you run out of options at some point, and I think they handled being in a pinch well. Um, it's, it, I'll bet on Mahomes until it proves me wrong, and as much as I really, really hate to say that.
1: I can't say I think- it's not a sound strategy. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think that's the right strategy. I think that's the right way to approach this for sure. Um, I mean, I, I I don't think that I'll be able to resist not betting Denver on this, you yeah. know, in these odds. Um, but also, it's just this division is so loaded. You also have the new head coach and just the new systems in Denver. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's just some early season kind of stumbles, um, just chemistry kind of figuring that out for the Broncos. Uh, so for that reason, I I wouldn't expect them to win the division this year. I actually kind of like the Raiders at plus 650. I mean, I think they're technically mm-hmm. the least talented team in this division, but we all know how close these division games get, and L- and the Raiders just fa- managed to find a way to, to win a lot of very close games. Um, defensively, I am worried, but, I mean, plus 650 in the most competitive division, I mean, why not, honestly?
1: You could see it. Derek Carr is the most underrated quarterback in football. And he just added the best wide receiver in football. I mean, if, if you're backing the Raiders, I think that's the bet. When you look at that offense, Derek Carr, you know Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. Now they got Devontae Adams. They can attack you vertically. They can attack you underneath. I mean, that they're going to have a lot of flexibility, and I think that's really intriguing, particularly with somebody like Josh McDaniels, who's you know proven that he can get quirky over the years when he has you know unique talents. But I, I just defensively, particularly that secondary, I. In, in a division as strong as this one with these quarterbacks and these receivers, I have a hard time seeing the Raiders kind of outlast everyone, but from a value perspective, it, it, that might actually be the best value. I mean, like you said, they, they did win some tough games. They were a playoff team. They've got a lot of continuity. I don't know. I got to hate. I'm sitting here talking to myself. <laughs> like, should I have no. the Raiders? But I, I just can't do it. No, no, no.
2: Um, I mean, this just, this division is just such a toss up though. I feel like you know, kind of taking the Broncos or the Raiders just because they have the, the best odds mm-hmm. is it the worst strategy. I mean, there's definitely a world where KC regresses just because of the talent they lost and, you know, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, but is it enough at this point? Um, we'll see. And then the Chargers, I mean, we should just say something real quick. Obviously, it's Herbert. I just want to see Staley again in another year. He kind of made some iffy decision making down the road last year. And uh, I just want to see if he kind of learned from that or if that's just who he is. If he really is the gambler playing head coach, um, you know, I I think I'm more uh,
1: looking at fading them rather than rallying behind them. But I didn't like even more than the gambling, because he did have some decisions to go for it that just were like, what? But the first half of the season, he stuck with it and it was at least consistent. And while they did miss on some of them, they also hit on a lot of them where I wouldn't have gone for it. Like as the season went on and they started to lose some of these tight games, you could see him in the indecisiveness, and like yeah. he would go for it and then he wouldn't go for it and then he would go for it and it would just be like, if that's gonna be your thing, if you're gonna be the dude, just do it and believe in it and stick by it. Mm-hmm. But you could see last year that like the outside noise and everybody being like, he shouldn't be doing this. Like he was starting to second guess himself, and you can't win that way. So you know, you either you know be a little bit more safe or just be the guy that's willing to you know go for it. But you can't be somewhere in between. And I think that was the problem with the Chargers last year. Yeah, exactly. Ah man, they have so much talent. They have so much talent. It's the Chargers though, man. Come on. I know, but at one point, I agree. Like my that's just my 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 natural response when anybody's like, but Herbert, but Keenan <laughs> Allen, but Bosa, and now they got Cleo Mac, and I'm like, but they'll the Chargers will always charger it up.
2: There are just some things in this world you'll never be able to explain. Um you know, you go back to what was it, oh seven, where they had the number one ranked offense and defense, and managed to miss the playoffs. I mean, I see it on Twitter all the time, man. It's just some Charger shit, and some Charger shit just happens. It seems year in year out. So
1: Charger shit, indeed. All right, guys, we are going to go. We've been rambling on for longer than we intended. Thank you guys for sticking with us. I know it's the off season. We'll have a little bit more structure as we get closer to the season, but. That's what this time's all about. It's about drinking cold beers and, and getting weird on the podcast. <laughs> but I'm am uh, going to go. I'm going to enjoy the rest of my night. I hope you guys do the same. Much love from our presenting sponsors, DraftKings Sportsbook. We'll see you next week. Love.